0: Welcome to Bible Insight with Wayne Conrad. The psalmist says, "The entrance of your words give light, and it imparts understanding to the simple." Today's topic is miracle at 1 pm. I tried to say the miracle at noon, but we have to be precise because that'd be true to the Bible. And what the Bible says is that this miracle happened at a particular time. It happened at 1 p.m. our time. I'm talking about the story that John records in his gospel in chapter 4. And he lists it as the second of Jesus' signs when he came into Galilee and to manifest his glory to his disciples, that was what was said about the first of the miracles. If you remember that, it's the miracle of the turning of water into wine in Cana of Galilee. So, what does this tell us? The first of the miracles that he's done in Cana of Galilee. For one thing, by inference, it informs us that that Jesus, who grew up around this area in Nazareth which is not all that far from Canaan and Capernaum. All of these are in the same approximate geographical area of Galilee. It tells us that Jesus lived an ordinary human life in the village of Nazareth. And that before this time, he was not known as a miracle worker. He had not been performing signs in his youth, his infancy, his youth, or his young manhood. He's now 30 years of age and he has entered into his ministry after his baptism by John in the Jordan. There goes a period of time in which he goes into fasting and other things and then John's gospel begins to explain something about his ministry in Judea, in Jerusalem and then in Galilee. Now John's gospel moves between these positions primarily, in Galilee and in Judea. In John 4, he goes through Samaria in order to get to Judea. So this is John's gospel. And John's gospel is marked by certain particular signs, incidences. I use the word signs, but it's really true. John's gospel is marked by John using the word sign in reference to Jesus. Now, when he uses the word Simon, a sign, he primarily means the miracle, a miracle that Christ did that conveys something about his character, about his power, his abilities, and it all relates back to John's prologue because the prologue is the introduction to the gospel narrative, and everything reconnects back to John's opening words. Here's today's story. It's recorded for us in chapter 4. And I'll begin at uh, verse 44, 46, somewhere right here, uh, because I need to set the context before. It says uh, in 43, I'm reading from the Christian Standard Version. After two days, he left there for Galilee, now, where was he? Well, he was in Judea. He had been there for the Passover, and if you remember in John chapter three, this is where he had met Nicodemus. Now Nicodemus informs us in his interview with Jesus, he says that, teacher, we know that you come from God, because no one could do the miracles that you do unless they had come from God. So Nicodemus is indicating that he's come to Jesus because he shows signs, manifestations, that he is the longed-for Messiah. He said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. So Jesus did a number of signs in Judea, but they're not recorded by John. And John 4 records, after two days, he left there. That's after two days of being in a town in Samaria after he had testified to the woman. After two days, he left there for Galilee. Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When they entered Galilee, Jesus and his band of disciples, that we have at least five or six at this point, the Galileans welcomed him. Because they had seen everything he did in Jerusalem during the festival. So the Galileans, you know, they were there for the Passover too. So they saw these miracles that he did in Judea. And now he's come back to his home turf. And they welcome him. Because what? They're looking for the miracles. For they had also gone to the festival. And so Jesus says, it says, And he went again to Cana of Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. So Jesus' location Cana he had done the first miracle that manifested his glory to his disciples there now he's back in Cana and here comes a royal official a royal official we we don't know what position that he held but he must have been related somehow either to the city government which is also you know understand it's under the control uh, at least indirectly of the of the Romans And there are Roman soldiers and personnel that are gathered there. So he could be an official connected with that. He could be a, a Jew who is in the employment of Herod, or he could be a Gentile. We're not informed. We're just so that he's a royal official and he comes to Jesus with a request. It's an urgent request. This is a man who's on a mission because someone that he loves is at the point of death, and he needs Jesus to intervene. So there was a certain royal official whose son was ill at Capernaum. Now, where's Jesus? He's in Cana of Galilee, and where is the son? The son is in Capernaum. Now, I didn't calculate ahead of time how many miles that is, but It's not nearby. There's a considerable distance, at least walking distance. We're so used to driving in cars, but, you know, uh, two or three miles, 10 miles, 20 miles would be a long way in walking. But at any rate, the sixth son is in Capernaum, but Jesus is in Cana of Galilee. But when this man, this royal official, heard that Jesus had come from Judea into Galilee, he went to him. Now, why did he go to it? Well, he had heard that Jesus had performed miracles in Judea, in Jerusalem. Having heard the message that Jesus had the power to perform miracles of healing, etc., he came with an urgent plea, and he pleaded with him. He pleaded with Jesus to come down and heal his son since he was about to die. He's saying to him, please come, Jesus, my son is at the point of death. His only hope of survival is if you come and you will lay your hands on him or or speak the word over him and raise him up from the sick bed. So that's the man's urgent plea. And then Jesus says to him, now we're going to have to notice the plural in the Greek, which is not clear in the English because we use you for singular and we use you for plural. But Jesus' statement to the official is not just for him. It is for all those who are around him who are listening to this interview, shall we call it, this dialogue. He says, unless you, plural, unless all of you see signs and wonders, you, all of you will not believe. So he's making remarks to the Galileans because they're there. He did miracles in Judea. He's come home. He's a homeboy. He needs to do miracles for us too. That's why Jesus is making this statement. But it also brings out something about the official. It gives him an opportunity to show where his faith really resides. What does he truly believe about this man jesus the official says to him sir come down before my child dies see him see the picture he's pleading with jesus possibly on his knees he's begging him jesus please please come on down before my child dies and jesus says to him go your son will live he didn't send him away like saying go away he's saying go Your mission's fulfilled. Go. Your son will live. Now, here's the clincher. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. So I got up off his knees. He left from begging and pleading because the master had said, your son will live. He believed the word, that Jesus spoke to him, and he went on his way. Now, while he's on his way, his servants come to meet him, and they told him that his son was recovering. And so he asked them the hour when he began to get better. Now, notice the type of miracle that Jesus did. He basically gave life health life to the young man who began immediately to improve. So the healing is a little bit of a process. it would be complete by the time the father gets there. The man believed his word. Jesus spoke. He went on his way, and as he was going down, his servants met him and told him. His son was recovering. So he asked them, when did this happen? What's the hour? When he began to get better. When did he, he make this turn and really starting to get better? Not dying, but beginning to live. And they said to him, yesterday. So see, there's a considerable distance for walking between Cana and Capernaum. So he's walking. And I don't know what time of day he met Jesus, but he's walking. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, that seventh hour on I guess, Roman time that John might be using. I'm not sure if he's using the Roman time, but it's 7 p.m. hour time. They said to him, yesterday at 1 p.m., the fever left him, the fever broke. It left him. And the father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. He had believed the word of Jesus and he went on going back home. And here comes the news. Your son will live. He is recovering. The fever's broke. He's on the men. He knows that it was the word that Jesus spoke from this distance that restored his son to life and health. And he himself believed. Very intense idea here. He himself, for himself, he believed and all of his household with him. So we know that when he got home, he told the story of the intervention of his encountering Jesus and of Jesus' intervention by the word of authority that said, your son will live. And that word traveled all the way to the sun's bedside and body and broke that fever. And the sun began immediately for a full recovery. And John writes, this was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. So where he's at makes a difference in what John's recording here. The second sign in Galilee. And all of the signs are first for his disciples to understand his glory, his power, and his authority. And it's also a testimony to all of them that he has come from God. That's the purpose of signs in John's gospel. They're testimonies that Jesus has come from God. Nicodemus, he said, we know you're a teacher who's come from God. Rabbi, you're a divinely ordained teacher, but he's more than a teacher. He is also a prophet, but he's more than a prophet. He is the Messiah, and the Messiah with kingly authority. And so he heals the official's son. Now, it's important that we connect the stories with what's gone before and maybe what's going to come after, but we need to connect this with the prologue, and it's connected in John chapter one and verse four. Because what does this what does this sign say about Jesus? Let's think about the first sign. Jesus turned water into wine and manifested His glory. Well, what kind of glory is involved in taking one thing and turning it into something different. Well, it's, it's life-giving. It's, it's creative ability. So his, he's being manifested as the sovereign creator. And John had testified that into the prologue, that he was the one who had created all things. He's the ruler of the universe, but he's also the merciful provider for the needs of his people. And so he met the needs of the people at the party. They were about to run out of wine. He gave them the best wine, though they didn't know where it'd come from. But his disciples knew, and the servants knew, and Mary knew. And now we have the second sign. And John chapter one in verse four says this about the word. It says, in him was life. And that life was the light of me. So the second of the miracles that Jesus does in Galilee, the healing of the royal official son, manifests Jesus as life. He is the one who has life residing within him. And it's his life that gives life. He restored the life of this young man about to die. He is the life giver, destroyed by death. This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights. Remember that Jesus is the life giver.